0: Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. And it comes out of the passage of Psalms 23. We all know that passage and that chapter very well. And we're going to be in verse 3. And I just want to talk about the phrase that goes all the way to the semicolon. And it says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. My soul. And it's not just for me, it's also for you today. And so I want you to step out in faith and speak it with me. Let's say this phrase together, he restores my soul. One more time, he restores my soul. We can leave church right now because amen, glory to God, he restores my soul. And so I want to teach on that today and uh, and hopefully help you understand the restoration of your soul. So Father God, I thank you today for the opportunity to stand up and speak your Word. Father, I thank you for the word that is about to go forth, that it won't return void. I thank you that out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. I thank you that out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth is going to speak. I thank you for restoration in people's lives and in people's souls today, Father, that you know what people came in with, but they're not going to keep it. They're going to leave it here and they're going to walk out restored. They're going to walk out refreshed. I thank you that it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's by your spirit that's moving today, Father. And so I lift up also our country today. I thank you that you are still on the throne, that you aren't phased by what's going on. You are God. You are in control. And I ask you right now to help our leaders in the city level, the state level, and the nation level. I thank you that we are a people that are continuing to search after you. As long as the church is still on this earth, we believe that we can make an impact and we can change the atmosphere of our nation, Father. And so we thank you for what's going on and that you're moving and that you're helping, and I thank you right now for blessing Louisiana. Everybody hates Louisiana, but God, just bless them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. For those who don't know, I am from Louisiana. Don't shut me off right now. Um, I do have something good to say. Somebody's got to pray for Louisiana. But why me, Lord? Usually when I get up and preach, I... I have confession time, and it's, it's just lethargic for my soul to, to let y'all in on a little secret that happened in my life. And uh, the last time I preached, I let everyone know that before I met my wife, I had met this girl that I thought was my wife. I, I fell head over heels in love with her. I just, I just wanted to spend every moment with her. But at the young age of six, I found out that it, it wasn't going to happen. She turned me down. She tore my heart and that's why I'm speaking on restoration today. Um, But I met my wife and she can cook and man is she hot, so praise God for her, please come back. Um, But I wanna give you a a, a snippet into my soul of a confession that I have to make and so I wanna tell you about the two times that I cried and it's, it's only two times in my entire life, the two times I cried while watching sports um, it's a very emotional thing in my life. I was telling the first service that I don't um, I don't watch a lot of TV, and if I do, it's usually TBN or Daystar or the Catholic Channel. But sometimes I stray away. I stray away, and I go to ESPN for like 23 hours a day. But there's some good stuff on Daystar at around midnight. Um, and so I enjoy sports a lot in my life. And so I wanted to tell you about the two times that I cried in sports. So when I was younger, around nine or 10, I loved basketball, grew up in a basketball family. And my favorite team was the Utah Jazz. Carl Malone, John Stockton in his shorty shorts, Jeff Hornacek, Brian Russell, Greg Ostertag, Just great, great players. The only downfall is the greatest of great players played during that time period, the Michael Jordan. And and I was so distraught at the time of Michael Jordan's rising because I just wanted to see John Stockton in his shorty shorts win a championship. So in 96 and 97, they have an amazing season and they go to the finals and there they are playing David versus Goliath. They're playing Michael Jordan. Goliath won that year. Uh, they won four games to two games. They, they gave their, their best, but I was okay with it. I thought, okay, you know, we're going to get better. We got it here once. We're going to do it again. And through much fasting and prayer at 9, 10 years old, they made it in the 97-98 season to the championship again. And I thought, this is it. It's got to happen. It's going to be the year. And so I got on my knees and I begged the Lord, you know, just make Michael Jordan go to baseball or just, you know, let him miss his flight or just, Lord, please let the Utah Jazz win. So they win the first game and I think, Lord, the revival's coming it's changing. The tides are changing. I just can't wait. We get to game six, a couple seconds left. Michael Jordan steals the ball from Carl Malone. He drives down the court with a couple seconds left. One of the most controversial calls ever not made in the history of the NBA. <laughs> does Michael Jordan push off Brian Russell? Yes, does Brian Russell fall to a crossover? Absolutely not, was not called. He makes the winning shot. And there I am at nine, 10 years old on my knees watching the TV, weeping, because Shorty Shorts did not win his championship. Up to this point, the Utah Jazz have still not won a championship. Never happened. And I thought it was going to, I believed with all my might that it would. The first time I cried. Let me tell you about the second time I cried. A more joyous occasion. One that not a lot of people enjoy or love, but everyone from Louisiana does. The year was 2009. In this small, no-name team, by the bottom of the barrel, by the name of the New Orleans Saints. They started their franchise in 1967, and they were the slum, the worst of the worst. They were literally the Louisiana of football. (laughs) But in 2009, a miracle, something in the heavens just all came together, and we had an amazing season, and we made it to the Super Bowl. And I went home, I was living in Dallas, going to Bible school at the time, and I said, I'm not going to watch the Saints win or lose their Super Bowl in Texas. I have to get to Louisiana with my people. I figured we could unite like the tribes of Israel and we could conquer our Jericho. <laughs> I'm not trailing off. We're going to get to He Restores My Soul. But this just sets a fire inside of me and it should you as well. So we get there and I'm watching the game and I'm sweating and I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm just hoping and praying that We can beat the Messiah of the NFL, Peyton Manning. We go up by the end of the fourth quarter. We're up 24-17. Peyton Manning has the ball. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I was asking the Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. We can't stop Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning goes, calls a play. I believe it's Reggie Wayne. He runs an in route, 5-10 in route. Here comes Tracy Porter. The man out of nowhere, he intercepts the ball and he takes off running. Nobody's there to stop him. He hits the end zone. Glory be to God, we won the Super Bowl 31-17. And I remember almost in the same exact spot of my house where I weeped openly about the Utah Jazz. I weep triumphantly. We were national champs. Nobody could take it away from us ever again. We had been failures since 1967, but it finally came true. It finally happened. I don't know what's happened since then, but I'm still believing that we'll come and encounter another one. What happens in your life when you believe for something so desperately and one, it never happens, or two, it takes a really long time to happen? You see, I believe that each and every person here than the sound of my voice, if you're a part of this church and you've been coming here, you've been actively pursuing and following God's plan and God's will in your life. But what happens when you come across an incident, a moment, a trial, a tribulation that happens on your path and your journey in God's plan? I know what God's plan is. I know that I'm called here. I want to let you know that Just because I'm up here preaching, I'm preaching this to myself. Me and my wife are encountering a situation right now. and Without a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm supposed to be a part of this church. I'm supposed to serve this church. I'm supposed to serve Pastor Eric and Heather. But we're going through a situation in my life, in my wife's life, where we're trying to figure out, God, what's going on? Why is it not working? We're blessed in all these other areas, but there's this one area that seemingly we're failing or we're struggling in. How do we overcome that? How do we deal with that? And the Lord reminded me a couple days ago of Psalms 23. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The word restore in Hebrew means to turn back, to restore, to regain. But what's interesting in Hebrew is there's different words for the word soul, different meanings. Let me list them off to you. Obviously, the first definition is soul. Soul. The next one is self, person, appetite. I know it's second service and you're hungry, so your appetite's kicking up. He's going to restore that in two to three hours. Uh, <laughs> another definition, mind, desires, emotions, passions. He restores my soul. He restores my appetites. He restores my heart. He restores my passions. He restores my desires. I grew up with the idea that he restores my soul at salvation. It's all good. He restores my whole, my soul was once black, but now it's made new and it's revived. And then I go all the way to the other end of, in the sweet by and by, he restores my soul in heaven. And this middle thing is just working it out. One day I'll get to heaven and I was telling the area of service, I'll, I'll get my beautiful body with abs and, and pecs and muscles and, I'll just, I'll just be be the man that that I've tried to work out to be. My wife will fall even more in love with me as Fabio walks out of his mansion and says, It's me, baby. The Lord has restored me. But what happens in this middle life? He's restored me in salvation, and I know he's gonna restore me in heaven. I'm following your plan, I'm walking the line, I'm listening to your voice, but there's areas in my life that I'm struggling in, you have to help me. And he's here today to say, I want to restore your soul. So I want to pick up a story that we all know and love, and I'm going to put it in the connotation of someone walking through a trial. And it's the story that we know of Jesus dying on the cross, and we'll pick it up in... Hebrews 12.2 is where we'll start. Looking unto Jesus. If you're going through an issue in your life, something that you're trying to overcome, something that you're trying to understand, something that you feel is not succeeding in your life, I want to encourage you that the very first thing that you need to do is quit looking at the situation and look unto Jesus. It says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He knows the beginning, he knows the end. He's at the beginning, he's at the end. He's all throughout the middle. Yeah. Amen. And in this faith walk that we have, he is always, always, always walking with you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross. It wasn't fun. It wasn't a party and cake. There wasn't Pharisees and Sadducees and Roman soldiers popping confetti around Jesus's. The angels weren't coming down and wiping his brow. He endured the cross, despising the shame as he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so I want to walk through, what do you do When you're completely following God's plan, but you go through a trial or a tribulation or something in your life. We see Jesus completely follows God's plan. He talks about it in the Gospels over and over again. He tells his disciples, they're going to kill me. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. We see him almost telling people, reminding himself, telling people when it does happen, this is what's going to happen. He knows the scriptures. He knows the prophetic tones that have happened throughout the Old Testament. It says in John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We know that he's overcome, but he also lets us know Things are going to happen. Life is life. But don't worry, because I've already overcome life. Something that we can stand on through any trouble, any situation. We see Jesus at this moment as he dies on the cross, that there's pain, that there's agony, that there's suffering, that there's embarrassment, that there's shame. Much like when you're going through a situation in life, there's pain, there's agony, get a bad report at the doctor, you lose your job, the relationship isn't working, your car isn't working, the kids aren't working. (laughs) There's pain, there's agony, there's frustration that happens in our lives. It says in the scriptures, in Matthew, that it rains on the just and the unjust. Life happens, things happen. I didn't I'm a pretty good driver. I didn't know that drunk driver was going to hit me. I'm a hard worker. Why would I lose my job? I work out every day. Why Why'd I get this diagnosis? Life happens. It rains on the just and the unjust. But he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Remind yourself. Say it with me. He restores my soul. Another incident is Jesus hangs on the cross. He sees his mother. He sees his best friend. He's already been denied. He's already been betrayed. His family and friends are all gone. And he sees the pain in his mother's face. He sees the pain in his best friend's face. He's going through the same thing that we deal with. When we're trying to figure out life, how am I going to pay the bills? And you look at your spouse. You look at your kids. You try and understand how can I take care of? How can I provide? You're looking for help. And seemingly all your friends abandon you. Jesus at this moment knows exactly what you're going through. Yeah. He wants to remind you that he's here to restore your soul. Yeah. Right. What happens? We see in John, Jesus offers two words while he's on the cross. He says, I thirst. And they bring him a sponge with some vinegar and he turns it away is it an interesting in our lives when we're dealing with an issue that we don't understand and we're asking God where he's at, we're begging and pleading to be refreshed. Yeah. Right. I just need some relief from this situation. Yeah. I just want to go far away. I, I want to move back home. I, I want to uh, just not be around that person. I, I just, I just want to swallow this pain and this anger in a bottle. I just want to just make it go away. I just want to be refreshed. I'm here to encourage you today that if you haven't heard, you need to find it on our podcast that Pastor Heather preached an amazing sermon a couple of weeks ago about the peace of God and being anxious for nothing. But by everything, give thanks. We make our requests known to the Lord, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's amazing to see the family as we know what they've gone through recently and we know about the church and, but to watch them overcome, to watch them succeed, to watch her get up and be refreshed and refresh us. So I want to let you know if you're thirsting, he's here to refresh you today. He restores your soul. And then we get to the worst of the worst. Jesus is on the cross He's suffering. He's dying. And at his weakest moment, at the, the toughest moment that he has, he screams this out in Matthew 44 through 46. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, the darkest of the dark... The worst of the worst. Jesus cries out what probably any human being would cry out every once in a while when you're trying to figure out what are you doing, God. And he says it in this Cajun French. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthia. It's not Cajun French. So, <laughs> Translation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? a question that I've asked before, if I'm being honest, and it's a question that you probably have thought or asked yourself, but I want to let you know that this curse that was placed on him, because Jesus was forsaken by the Father, he did have to turn away from his Son, but the reason Jesus was forsaken is because it says in Hebrews, I will never leave you or forsake you. Ever again, I'll never do it. So I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know if you're in the car or on the way to church, screaming out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me in my healing, in my salvation, in my restoration, in my finances, in my mental state? Why have you forsaken me?" He comes back with a promise: Jesus was made a curse so that you could be blessed in this moment. Yeah. He will never forsake you. So enough of the negativity. Let's see what Jesus did in this moment. He's completely in God's will, but he's struggling through this moment. Let's see what God our Father, Jesus, the amazing man, the amazing God does. The first thing I see Jesus doing, he's dying on a cross, suffering. He looks to his left and he looks to his right. There's two other guys that are dealing with the same exact pain, the same exact frustration, the same exact embarrassment. They probably don't even have family members there. All alone. And what does Jesus do? He looks to his left and his right, and he helps them. One receives it, and one rejects it. I want to encourage you today that whatever you're going through, start helping others. Start helping others. If you received a bad report from the doctor, start praying for the sick. If you've lost a job or you're dealing with crazy debt, start giving finances to others. If you're struggling in a relationship and you don't understand, start praying for people in their relationships. Because the seeds that you sow right now, Jesus helps people that are dealing in the exact same thing that he's dealing with. They're going through the exact same thing that he's dealing with, and he stops his pain, his suffering, he stops and clears his mind and says, let me help others. And if you help others that are dealing with the same thing you're doing, you're planting seed that you will gain a harvest. You never know by praying for someone for healing that you'll receive a harvest of healing like that. You never know by sowing seed into somebody's life financially that the financial breakthrough occurs. You never know. Whatever the issue is, start helping others in that issue and expect God to show up and minister to you as well. The next thing we see, and the most vital and important thing that we see Jesus do, and we see it in Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last Previously, a couple minutes before that, Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right before he dies, he does something that we all need to do. Cry out with a loud voice in faith the victory of our situation. He has no really idea if God's gonna show up. He's forsaken him. So he has to stand on the promise And the word that he spoke previously that I'm gonna get raised from the dead. He had to focus on the promise that he received in the Old Testament. He has to focus on the promise that God told him himself when he designed the plan from the foundations of the world that I will raise you from the dead. And in Jesus' last breath, his last cry, he says, Father, when his Father's nowhere to be found. And he says, Into your hands. I commit my spirit. Jesus, when he's with the disciples, he comes up upon a tree that doesn't have fruit, and he curses the tree. A day or so later, they come back across the tree, and Peter, good old Peter, can't just won't shut his mouth. He has to say something. He just, he just has to say something at every moment that he can. He said, look, Jesus, the tree is cursed. And Jesus responds with a simple phrase. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. I resound and say those same words to you. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're going through. I know God loves you. I know God's taking care of you. Have faith in God. In that situation, in that moment, have faith in God. In God. We see in Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Thank you, Jesus, for that encouragement. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We couldn't change those words. Having done all to stand, take a break. Having done all to stand, rest. Having done all to stand, stand. I don't like that verse. I'm be honest with you. I'm doing all I can. I'm, I'm trying to understand. I'm figuring out. I'm, I'm talking with God. And As I walk through this situation, sometimes my knees buckle. And I have to hold onto the wall. Having done all to stand, keep standing. But the thing is, I understood that verse wrong because it's not about me standing by myself. Put up verse 13 again. There's something we have to do first. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in evil and having done all to stand, stand. Now it makes much more sense when I put on the full armor of God and I've got the scriptures and I've got faith and I've got salvation and I've got the armor of God completely on me I can't stand on my own, but with that armor, it's like a rigid bodysuit that makes me stand and makes me walk and makes me survive and makes me overcome and helps me when my knees are weak and helps me when I'm trying to hold on. It helps me because I put on the full armor of God, and because of that, I can stand and I can continue to stand and I can walk through any situation that I go and deal with. So I want to encourage you today. You can put up Luke 23, 46. The best advice that I can give you is what Jesus did. And when Jesus had cried with a, what? Loud Loud voice. It is time for each and every one of us in our lives to find out what scripture we need to stand on to overcome the issues in our life. What healing scriptures, what restoration scriptures, what salvation scriptures, what scriptures can you stand on and with a loud voice let yourself know, let the devil know, let God know, let everyone know that I am standing and I'm continuing to stand. It says in the word that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth is going to speak. And so what I'm saying is what I'm hearing which is going inside of my heart which is coming out of my mouth again. And so if you're putting negative words inside your ear, it goes inside your heart, which means you're saying it and you're repeating a cycle over and over and over again of negativity. But if you start putting the word of God inside of your mouth and you start speaking it and your ears hear it, it goes inside your heart and it comes out your mouth and it goes inside your ears and your faith level rises and it rises and it rises and you stand and you overcome because he restores my soul. So we're helping others. We're speaking in faith and believing. And then we have the next thing that happens. Jesus dies. What happens when you do everything that you think you can do and it gets worse? Death isn't that? Death is final in our lives. You've done everything you can and it gets darker. What do you do? You keep doing what you've been doing. You keep standing. You keep speaking. You keep helping. You keep walking. Amen. So I come today and I ask in your soul, what has died? What dream? What desire? What appetite? You were called to be a minister. You were called to write a book, you were called to make a CD, you were called to change the world, you were called to be healed, you were called to be blessed and highly favored, but because the circumstances changed in your life, you gave up on it. I know God can save me, but he hasn't healed me yet, so I'm done with it. I'm not going to ask for healing again. I've been believing in standing for a house. I've been believing in standing for a job. I've been believing in standing for finances, and it hasn't happened, so I'll just put it by the wayside and let it go, and I'll just believe for salvation or getting to heaven. What has died in your life that you've given up on? Because today, the Lord wants to restore your soul. He wants to bring that part back to life. He wants to revive it. He wants to turn it around. He wants you to start talking about that issue again. Because he wants to restore it. He wants to heal it. He wants to fix it. Now let's get to the fun part. Because we know, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins. He was buried, but he rose again. There's victory on the other side. There's victory. Don't give up hope. Don't give it up yet. There's victory on the other side. Jesus comes out of that tomb 100% 100% God, 100% man, but 100% more powerful. He comes out completely different. I mean, he's doing all kind of stuff when he comes out. He's walking through walls, and he's flying over here, and he's disappearing over there. He's doing all kind of stuff. He's still Jesus, but he's a better version of Jesus. He comes out the tomb, and God says, because of what you did, At your name, every knee must bow, and every tongue, every tongue must confess that you're Lord. He offers his son his right hand at his throne. He gives him complete power. He gives him complete authority. After the resurrection in the Gospels, we don't see the Pharisees and Sadducees showing up anymore. We don't see the Roman soldiers trying to re-crucify him, because the enemy is, was, and has, and always will be defeated. Yeah. Amen. Jesus comes out of that tomb, comes out of that trial, comes out of that tribulation, completely changed, completely stronger, completely better, completely healed, completely restored. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And he walks in victory, and he never has to return to that cross again. Yeah. Amen. And there's a scripture, 1 John four seventeen. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. If he's restored, I'm restored. If he's healed, I'm healed. If he's debt-free, I'm debt-free. If he's walking in salvation, I'm walking in salvation. He is completely and totally restored. The dictionary definition of restore, one of them, is to return to an earlier or original condition by repairing it and cleansing it. God doesn't just return it to an original condition. He brings it there and brings it a million times better. He had a covenant, and it was good. It did what it had to do. But he created a new covenant, and he made it a million times better and said, you know what? We'll let the Gentiles in. We won't push the law on them. We're going to push grace on them. Thank God that he pushes grace on me. He restores my soul. And in this moment, as Jesus goes through, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's interesting That yes, he does forsake him for a short time, but God is working and orchestrating through that entire crucifixion. It says that God himself is the one that ripped the veil. People rise from the dead. It's God that's rising them from the dead. It's God that's helping him come out of that grave. I don't know where you're at in your situation. You might not be seeing God, but God is actively working through in all the way from beginning to end, your situation. You might not see it right now. You might be asking, where are you? What are you doing? I don't understand. He's moving. He's reacting. He's helping. He's healing. He's moving in your situation. Romans 8, 28, we all know this. And we know, and we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Do you know the situation that I'm walking in, the frustration that I have is that I know that God is the answer. And I'm waiting on the fulfillment of that answer. I know that God will provide. I know that God will heal. I know that God will restore. Do you know? As I finish up, and we can have the band come and It's interesting that the thing and how Jesus got through is he kept walking. He walks to the Garden of Gethsemane. He doesn't stop there. He walks to the trial. He keeps walking to the whipping board. He takes his cross and he walks to Golgotha. He gets up on that cross And he just keeps fighting. He just keeps believing. He just keeps knowing that God's gonna do something. Then he dies. Someone gets him off that cross and they pick up that lifeless body and they carry him to his tomb. I wanna encourage you today stay in church because you might think all hope is lost. Your dreams, your desires, whatever's in your life might have died. But this church and these pastors want to pick you up and they want to carry you to the next step. They don't want to see you fall. They don't want to see you lose. They don't want to see you fail. They want to see you succeed. And so they carried Jesus to the tomb. He gets into hell in Abraham's bosom and he just keeps walking. He just keeps persevering and knowing God said in three days I'm going to rise. God said in three days I'm going to rise. God said it so it's got to happen. It's got to happen. And he walks out that tomb. He keeps walking. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stutter. He just keeps believing. And he keeps walking. And he keeps walking. And he walks into his freedom. And he walks into the full restoration. And he continues in the plan of God that he has and so I want to encourage you today keep walking keep believing your knees might buckle you might not be able to make it but there's people here that are willing to carry you and bring you to where you need to be because we don't need anyone else to be lost we need them to be in the kingdom of God doing what they're supposed to be doing we need to see them because this nation needs to see that God is good that God loves his people that God will take care of his people And He'll take care of you because He restores your soul. He restores my soul. He restores. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.